What's up, friends? We are grateful to be with you this morning. We are actually live uh, here uh, from our building uh, at the Wills Point campus. And so we are grateful uh, that you're joining us. If we drop out for some reason, uh, we will get you something later to where you can uh, hang out with us. But we are so grateful for all that God is doing in this season. Matter of fact, as I think about this season, I think about how difficult it can be. And it reminds me of a handful of times in our lives where things have not gone as planned. Matter of fact, a handful of years ago, due to some unforeseen circumstances in our family, uh, we had somebody that we loved that had to go into the hospital. And so at the very last moment, I remember my mom calling uh, my wife and I and saying, hey, unfortunately, there's been a change of plans. When she said those words, we knew that our entire vacation with our family was actually going to be canceled that year. We had a trip to the beach set up. Our kids were looking forward to it. And in one phone call, our entire vacation was postponed. It's interesting because last year, about this time, our family was flying back on vacation uh, from, from Disney World, a trip that we had enjoyed. We were on the plane uh, heading back to, to Dallas, and I remember the pilot coming over the intercom system, and he said, friends, th thanks for traveling with us today. Unfortunately, we've had a change of plans. And when he said that, I knew those words were not good news. Matter of fact, we would hover around in the air for an additional hour and a half before we finally landed. I think back over those words. There's been a change of plans. And every time you hear those words, like there's something about us that just cringes, right? Like we know that there's nothing good coming from those words probably. Uh, possibly some frustration, maybe some tensions that begin to mount, a little bit of anxiousness and anxiety. And I would just say that in many ways over the last handful of weeks, we've heard those words more times than we care to hear. America, there's been a change of plan plans. Seniors, graduates, there's been a change of plans. And here's what I want to talk about today. From Philippians chapter 1, I want to talk about what happens when there's a change of plans. What is it that the Lord wants to teach us in the midst of a season where it feels like our entire world has been reset, where everything seems a little bit flipped upside down? Well, today, that's what we want to discuss. And uh, the reason why is because many of us are in a season right now where our sports seasons have been totally totally taken off of our calendar. There will be no uh, UIL uh, band stuff, the, the symphony part of the orchestra that, that many people have been working on all year. There's not going to be your last theater projects. There's not going to be the end of year parties. Uh, prom is off the table uh, for most people right now. Uh, people are wondering what's going to happen with graduation. Uh, all of these different things that are happening uh, cruises uh, that you had set up to go and enjoy vacation together have now had a change of plans. Everything in our lives have been, in a sense, of a weird season. No birthday parties unless they're from a distance. You got people driving by houses and honking horns or showing posters out in the car. Just kind of a new way of doing things. 
you got weddings that have either been postponed or minimalized in a lot of different ways. You, you have funerals that are, are either being postponed or in some ways are just in a new and, and different type of season. All of these things are happening and you just have to ask the question, what do I do in the middle of that? Well, I'm thankful for the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul writes to the church of Philippi, one in which he had a great influence in helping uh, see, come to a growth in Jesus. Matter of fact, we know that from one of his missionary journeys that uh, that church was, was founded and beca- began to start with just a, a small group of people. We see that he is writing this letter to them in Philippians chapter 1 as he sits in a Roman prison, probably around the, one, uh, the year 61 uh, AD. It's about 30 years after the, the, the death and the burial, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And he's writing to this church to encourage them in many ways. He, he's wanting them to keep their eyes fixed on the prize of, of Jesus, even in the midst of some obstacles some challenges. Uh, matter of fact, for his own life, he had had a major change of plans. He was uh, spending his life uh, planting churches, making a difference, and he finds himself, as he writes this letter, sitting in a house jail uh, and still encouraging the saints as much as possible. But the challenge is, is that he uh, wanted to make sure that he didn't get too far ahead of himself, and that he also was using his present circumstances for something influential. Matter of fact, I'll tell you one of the challenges I think a lot of us have as Americans is that we oftentimes see a change of plans because we've planned so far in advance. There's so many things that we plan and look forward to that when those things come to a halt, it stirs us a little bit. Uh, In James, uh, we know the half-brother of Jesus told us that we better be careful about what it is that we plan, that we need to make sure that we're not looking too far out into the future because it'll get us in trouble. Matter of fact, he even warns us that today has enough troubles of its own. Friends, I don't know about you, but I feel that to be true in this season of my life. I feel like I've got enough going on in the present moment, in the present day, to worry about that I can't hardly see into next week or two weeks from now, let alone a month or two from now. And isn't that true right now? This whole pandemic that we're in is kind of like forecasting the weather. Like it feels like it's changing daily, hourly. You're getting new things. A lot of things that we're frustrated by, a lot of things that we are having a difficult time discerning. And then I would say a lot of things that many of us have a difficult time not only believing, but certainly agreeing with. And I think there's all these different tensions that are happening, but we do need to be careful about how we plan through it. Matter of fact, I love Proverbs 16, verse 9. It just says this, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Uh, Right there, what you see in that classic proverb is that oftentimes for us as believers, we have a great deal of planning in front of us, but it's the Lord that's establishing the things that happen. And if we can see that framework in mind, then it really helps us navigate through things like this. And that's really what Paul wanted the church of Philippi to see. He wanted them to take note that the Lord was in the middle of the obstacles. And so friends, when we hear the words chains of plans, uh, we can 
get frustrated by it, or we can potentially say, Lord, what is it that you want to teach us in these moments? Lord, what is it that you want to do in our lives for your glory and our good? And so we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 1, verse 14, as Paul finds himself writing this letter in jail. Here's what he says. Um, in, actually, we're going to start in verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. Uh, what he's doing there is he is writing uh, this this classic letter, and he's saying, hey, listen, I, I want you to know that I'm in a predicament, that I am, am in a place that I didn't see myself being. I certainly didn't plan for it. I certainly didn't desire for that to be the case, but here I am in this moment, and he says that the purpose of him being there is actually serving to advance the gospel, which here's what I want you to understand. Friends, when we have a change of plans, any obstacle that gets in our way is the birthplace for opportunity. Uh, everything that happens around us is an, is an opportunity, and that's how we have to think about it. Are, are you thinking about this present-day challenge as an opportunity? And you might say, well, yeah, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to get frustrated, or it's an opportunity for me to grumble and complain. But here's what I want to ask you a question. Have you thought about what this time and season is doing? And I'll tell you this, for me, it's been the birthplace of learning and teachability. There have been so many things that over the last month I have learned, uh, so many ways that I've had to be re-educated, not only in ministry and about my job, but about how technology works. And in many ways, friends, I've been humbled. Like I have come to a place of humility, knowing that so much of what is brought about in this season are things that I didn't want to do. I, I didn't want to learn, but the Lord has used this time to help me take a step back and to think through new ways of, of learning, of new ways of reaching out to people. Uh, in many ways, I would say that we as a staff have had to work more diligently in from the place of humility to reach people and to have conversations and to love people well. And I would say that it's been a great opportunity for us. Why? Because obstacles not only teach us and humble us, but they also begin to refine us. They begin to help us see what is really important. They shape us into who we're going to be. As I look back at all the obstacles in my life and in our journey as a family, uh, from house fires to um, maneuvering through uh, challenges with uh, health or other things, like I can look back and I can see how that's shaped us, how that in many ways has helped us gain a new perspective. And that's really exactly what here in a second we're going to read in verse 13, is that you see this birthplace of opportunity giving a new perspective to the Apostle Paul and also as he writes the Church of Philippi. Uh, we see in a few moments that in verse 14, uh, this obstacle provides an opportunity for us to trust God, that it helps us begin to realize who we are. As he closes this chapter, Paul helps us realize that obstacles also remind us of the brevity of life, that we have a lot of different challenges, but it helps us to put things in order. Uh, I recently had a phone conversation with, with a friend that goes to Stone Point, and they have lived a frantic, fast-paced life. 
three different kids going in three different directions. And as I was just checking on him and his family this week, he said, Brandon, this has been so good for us. And then he went on and he expounded and he said, listen, it's helped us to reprioritize. It's helped us to think through what's really important. He goes, we haven't had a lot of family dinners together over the last year because our kids are going different directions. We don't see each other a whole lot. And he said, in this season, it has been the birthplace of opportunity. We've had dinners together more in the last handful of weeks than we have in a long time. We play games together. And he said, every single day we play games together. We do things as a family. He said it's been really good that even as our kids have grown older and we've gone different ways, it's just been a great chance for us to refocus. And friends, I'll tell you, things like what Paul is addressing here, these adversity type things in our life can be a birthplace of opportunity. For Paul, he says being chained in a prison is serving to advance the gospel. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty positive perspective. And that's what I think he means. In verse 13, he picks up and he says, as a result of being chained, he said, it has become very clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul is writing here and he goes, listen, I want you to understand something. The Lord is not wasting these opportunities. He goes, yeah, I would rather be out doing ministry. I would rather be with the people in, in Philippi. I would rather see more people on the road than them having to come to me where I sit in jail. But he goes, isn't it an amazing thing that God is making it clear to everyone around me that I'm in chains for Christ? See, when you think about the birthplace of opportunity, we can be using all of these different things, all of our challenges for the glory of God. And here's what you have to understand, friends. God never wastes anything in our lives. For those that are believers in Christ, he wants to use the most difficult circumstances, the most challenging things in our life, even those classic things, the change of plans, in order to draw us near to God and to use us for his purposes. I want you to realize that God is using everything in this season for our, for our good and hopefully for his glory. That's his desire. And if we can understand that it's not our government that's behind uh, necessarily every single change, but that we, we know that God puts authority in our lives for a reason, that he places government, even if we don't agree with everything they're doing, the reality is, is if we're not careful, we'll put our eyes in the wrong place. See, if we see all of this as a birthplace for opportunity, then we have a proper perspective. What's interesting is, is that Paul doesn't say, everyone is seeing my present circumstances as an opportunity to blame Rome. He doesn't say it's an opportunity to, to bring hatred towards Nero, although that was already happening in many people's lives. What he says is, he goes, it's becoming very clear that the reason I'm here is because God appointed it that way and I'm here to advance the gospel for Jesus even though I'm in chains. And friends, that's how we have to think about our present opportunity. May it be a birthplace for new things to come out of this season of our life. Verse 14, Paul goes on. He goes, and because of my chains, 
Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Friends, underline that, circle that. Look what he's saying. He goes, because of my suffering, because of my challenges and my response to those challenges, he goes, other people have been strengthened in the faith. See, that's how you need to understand this perspective. And here's what I want you to ask yourself. Are other people being strengthened in this season because of my faith? What are you pointing people to is the great question. Because what you respond to is a tone setter for everyone else around you. The way that you see this is ultimately going to be a challenge for everyone else around you. And you might challenge them to hop on a bandwagon as you continue to struggle through all of this. I'm not saying it's easy, but what I am saying is, is that if you see it as a birthplace for opportunity, what, the way you respond, if in grace, rather than grumbling and complaining about our situation, we see it as an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord, an opportunity to do great ministry, then we can strengthen and make confident everyone else around us. So here's what I've challenged a handful of my friends to do in the last week. I've challenged my friends in the last week that I'm in community with that we haven't been serving together on Sunday mornings like we always have been. We got a little bit of extra time on our hands as it, as it relates to a Sunday morning or, uh, or perhaps even other ministry-related things that we've all been involved in. And I just basically said, hey, how are we going to respond in the middle of our crisis? Is it going to be a birthplace for opportunity or are we going to sit around and we're going to wish that this time will pass us by? And, and here's what I would just encourage you to do. If you are struggling in a particular area, you're frustrated because a tennis season is canceled uh, or because uh, your baseball season came to an end or you're struggling because your senior child is, is going to have a, a difficult time. Here's my question. How are you strengthening other people? How are you seeing this as a birthplace of opportunity? So let's start thinking in a creative way, church. What if Stone Point Church, not its leadership, not me, not Pastor Dick, uh, not uh, Clarissa or Cody or Archie or uh, anyone else on our team, not if Mark or other people started planning things, but what if you saw this as a birthplace of opportunity and you said, I'm going to create a meaningful experience for people in this season. So what if you already start planning how you're going to celebrate seniors in a very difficult time? You already know that you need to do that for your own child. So think bigger. Think on a grander scale. Uh, think about what it would look like in this season that you would be creative in lots of different ways, that we would be doing ministry in this season because it's a birthplace of opportunity. Church, we have a real opportunity to strengthen other churches in this area by our response. And here's what I would just encourage you to do. One is not complain about where, where we're in because it can be a great opportunity. And number two is to do something for the cause of God's glory. And so may we use our hands and feet and may we make other people confident in the Lord as we proclaim the gospel. And so it is a birthplace of opportunity. What are we gonna do with it? But here's the, the truth as well. In verse 15, it says, It is also true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. So on one hand, we can see all the opportunities afforded to us as the birthplace of opportunity, or perhaps, here's the biggest challenge, obstacles can also become a great breeding ground for division. So think about this. We can respond one of two ways. We can use this to maximize God's glory, or if we're not careful, we can begin to... uh, bring about destruction in our own lives or the lives of other people. So here's the question. You've got Paul sitting in in jail. You've got some people who are being strengthened in his faith. And then you've got some that are going out and they're taking the gospel and they're encouraging others and their motives are pure. But yet you've got others that are detracting away from Paul's ministry and they are doing things not sincerely. A matter of fact, we see there in the text that they're doing it from selfish ambition. Uh, We would know in chapter 2 of Philippians that we don't want to do anything from selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, we want to consider others better than ourselves. That in seasons of opportunity, we have an opportunity to either, in a sense, think about others or we can begin to think about ourselves. And when we think about ourselves, it oftentimes goes downhill really quickly for us. Matter of fact, think about teams that in the past have had really great talent, but There's so many stars on the team that they always seem to, in a sense, uh, fight for the limelight. They're all seeking stardom and attention. I don't know about you, it reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, When I think about the Dallas Cowboys, I think about people that are oftentimes overpaid, uh, oftentimes fighting on the sidelines about who's going to get the ball, about uh, what it is that somebody else did wrong. And I see that oftentimes... On, on solid teams, lots of talent, but adversity always brings out the worst in us, doesn't it? Uh, or, or oftentimes we're tempted to see the worst in us. And so here's what I would just tell you. Oftentimes obstacles can be a birthplace of opportunity for good, or they can be the breeding ground for division. The question is, is when you're squeezed a little bit, what comes out? When things are, are, are changed, when they don't go as planned, How do you respond? Are you typically flexible or are you typically frustrated? And listen, I think this spans the gamut of our entire life. There's many of us that when we have to be flexible, even at work, we fly off the handle because it's a change of plans. Uh, we, We do that in our families. We do that with our friends. And here's what I would just tell you, friends, is why? Why is it that oftentimes adversity causes us to blame others, to uh, begin to seek stardom or attention or throw somebody under the bus? And, And I would just tell you that that can be a challenge for all of us. I would say that in this season, it can be a real challenge in the church. One of the things that I do believe will happen from all of this is I think you're gonna see people who are committed to their faith be more committed I think you're going to see many people that are nominal in their faith become more nominal. But I also think there's a tension that's happening in the church because many people can't agree what this time is about. And I would just say this, we need to prayerfully consider what this time is going to be about. Is it going to be the birthplace for opportunity to do good? Or is it going to be, in essence, a breeding ground for division? Our response matters. You might ask yourself, well, how do I tell if my response has been good? And I would just say this, is it a Godward orientation? If people were to see your response, are you pointing them more to Jesus 
or are you pointing them to something else? If you're maneuvering through this with your children, what are you pointing them to? Are you pointing them towards other outlets or are you pointing them to the God who's sovereign and can use this for our good? Paul goes on in verse 18, he says, but what does it matter? Uh, what he's referring to there is the response to the gospel. Uh, you go, there's some that have been strengthened. There's some that are taking this, this season uh, to bring about some division. But Paul's response is this, but, but who cares? Like, what does it matter? And then he goes on, he goes, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. yes. And I will continue to rejoice. And here's what I would just tell you. I think in many ways we could think and ponder through verse 18. But what does it matter? Like, is it, is it really in this season, is it this opportunity to be teachable? And if so, the question we might ask ourselves is, in light of eternity, what we're dealing with, how much does it matter? Don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing the challenges that we have. I'm not minimizing the impact that it has, thoughts, feelings, emotions. I'm not saying that this ha hasn't been challenging because it has been very challenging on many fronts. But what I am saying is this, if we are to, to take a step back, we are to position our hearts in humility towards God, we might ask the question, God, what are you doing here? And in light of eternity, what really matters? Friends, I think that's the question. And I think that's what we want to be posturing our hearts towards because obstacles bear witness to what we really believe. Friends, I would say this. I think that when we're squeezed and when life is challenging and when we have a change of plan, these obstacles bear witness to who we really are. We can say that we are, uh, we can say that we're Christ followers, but if when we're squeezed, nothing about Christ comes out, and we got to really take a good look at ourselves. Uh, we can say lots of different things. We can be involved in Bible studies. We can be faithful attenders to a church. We can give graciously to ministries. But the reality is, is if you are, are imprisoned for the cause of the gospel because of things that don't line up between you and, and your government, like Paul had, what's what matters? And, and how are you going to respond to it? Is it going to be the birthplace of opportunity or is it going to be breeding ground for division? Because what you do bears witness to what you believe. Let me say that one more time. What you do bears witness to what you believe. Jesus says it another way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What he's saying is, is it's not as important about what goes into a man as what comes out of a man. What comes out of us is what Jesus cares about most. In verse 19, Paul writes to the church of Philippi in the midst of all of his present circumstances. He says this, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what happens to me will turn out for my deliverance. So I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, listen, I don't count my life as anything. My plans, my dreams, my hopes can all be shattered as long as Christ is promoted, as long as his power is made perfect in my weakness, as long as his strength is evident in 
my life, as I relate to this present season of my life, he goes, I bear witness to God's shining light and his glory in my life. And friends, I can't think of a time in which the calling of God is more important on a believer than now. We have such an opportunity to shine light in the darkness. We have such an opportunity to be salt, to bring flavor to a world that needs flavor, that they're hopeless, that they're fearful, that they're afraid, that they're questioning so many things. Listen, we have a chance to position ourselves in humility to the God of grace and say, Lord, may you use my life to bear witness to the glory of God. Friends, that is our aim. And we do that by abiding richly in God's word, continually reminding ourselves of the goodness of God on a daily basis, and then going out and doing something in this season. Bear witness. Start, start doing ministry. Get the focus off of where you are or where we are. And let's remind ourselves that adversity is the birthplace for opportunity. Leonard Ravenhill said this, and I think it's so true. He said, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Friends, I think uh, Leonard Ravenhill was right, that the present day church in many respects has never faced adversity. And I would say that what we're dealing with now probably pales in comparison to what the early church suffered. As we have been reading through 1 Peter as a church, we see people that were running for their lives, that God was using Peter to remind them that suffering is an opportunity, an opportunity to, to draw near to God and an opportunity to, to build rewards in the next life, that God sees the challenges that, that we have and that he desires to use them to draw us near, to refine us, to purify us. I think that's what Paul is saying now. And he says at the end of verse 20, he goes, I pray, Lord, that you would do it whether by life or by death. Like whatever it is, if you have to, if you have to end my life for the sake of your glory, then do it. But if, if you want me to live, then that's fine. And, and he shares at the very end of this, he goes, I would rather be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Like I would rather die. That's gain to me. But he goes, it's probably best that I continue to live. And the way we need to think through it is what Paul ends with in verse 21, at least as we're going to read today. And he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. On Leonard Ravenhill's uh, tombstone, he asked the question, are the things that you're living for worth dying for? And friends, I think that's a great question to close with. Are the things that you're living for, worrying about, are the things that you're investing your time in, your passions in right now in this season, even the challenges that are at hand, are they worth Christ dying for? Is what you're worrying about, frustrated about, is it worthy of the gospel? And, and how can you use it for God's glory and your good? Church, I love you, friends. Hope that you've enjoyed hanging out with us this morning. Pray that the Lord would use this to encourage our hearts. And we look forward to gathering again soon. I do hope that you'll join us tonight uh, for our marriage webinar, uh, webinar with Scott Kadersha. At the same time, Kids Live will be going on. I think we mentioned at 7 uh, in our announcements. It was actually happening at 7.30 p.m. tonight. We love you. Let me pray for us. And then stick around as we... I'll finish with a song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you for uh, 
the, the morning that started with a cool mist and um, Lord, just kind of a dreary looking fog. And Lord, I just pray that if that's kind of where our hearts and our minds are right now, I pray, Lord, that the sun would shine on us. Father, I pray that you would take us out of a meaningless fog that we're in and that you would help us to see that you can use our adversity as a birthplace for opportunity. That every obstacle that we have, every change of plans can be used for the glory of God. But a lot of it is how we're going to be teachable and how we position our hearts. Lord, would you help us to position our hearts towards you? God, would you help us to not be in a spirit of, of, of division? May we not go about our days quarreling or, or worrying about things that are out of our control. Lord, I, I can just attest, I'm as frustrated as, as many people, but Lord, I pray that you would help me to see that the way I redeem and make the most opportunity of my time really will matter. And so Lord, I pray that whatever I do from this point forward we would bear witness to the fact that you are in control, that you are sovereign, and that you are holy. And so Lord, we know that regardless of how all of this came about, regardless of what we believe or don't believe, we know that there is something happening in the spiritual realm that we cannot see, but we do believe you want to use in this season of our lives. So God, would you position and posture our hearts towards you? Thank you for being a God of grace and thank you for teaching us in this season. In your name we pray, amen.